listeners, and welcome to the 53rd episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I am not a rich man, uh, which is perhaps why I was a bit underwhelmed by the Geneva Motor Show last week. Uh, That's not to say that there wasn't much activity. I was honestly surprised by how many new cars debuted last week uh, since we had learned about so many of them prior to the actual event. But rather, the the type of cars that debuted just didn't resonate with me. Because, no, I'm not a Swiss banker, and, and being a major European financial center, Geneva definitely caters more to that type of buyer. But price and features of the high-end cars launched in Geneva just beggared belief. I mean, there were new cars from Mercedes-Maybach, Bentley, Aston Martin, Rolls-Royce, Range Rover, and even a special Bugatti. Uh, The McLaren Senna GTR, Porsche Mission E, Cross Turismo, BMW M8 Grand Coupe, uh, Ferrari 488 Pista, and so on. You get it. In total, 65 cars were shown for the first time in Switzerland last week, and Autocar suggested that there were maybe 11 of those that were affordable. And to say that the Audi A6 or the Jaguar I-Pace are affordable is really stretching the limits of what uh, most people's price range uh, can can accommodate. Uh, and, and just because these cars aren't affordable doesn't mean that they're not selling. Oh, they're selling all right. Uh, The McLaren BP23 Hyper GT, which we didn't see last week, and in fact, nobody has seen, but it will apparently feature a three-seat layout like the old McLaren F1. It will be able to hit 243 miles per hour while costing about $2.2 million. has already sold out, and it, it, it before it even debuted. And also the Lamborghini Urus, the ridiculous $200,000 overcompensation machine from Italy, the SUV, it's selling like hotcakes, and most buyers aren't even going bargain basement on it just to say that they own one. Most are apparently paying around $240,000 for their Urus, meaning that they're spending about twice as much on options as I spent on an entire vehicle. It's just, it really reminds me of that DirecTV commercial that featured the Russian oligarch who kissed the mini giraffe. Off your lens. I has it. Well, Geneva had opulence in spades. Here, uh, instead of a top story this week, I have a special guest feature about a Ford Fusion recall. So you've joined me in my living room where I am with my wife, who is uh, surprisingly not watching a baby ballroom dancing show on Netflix right now. Uh, what is this? World's Most Extraordinary Homes? Yeah. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I came across a story for this week's show, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how long have you had your Ford Fusion Energy? About a year. About a year. And... Uh, We've already had it in for one recall, correct? Is it only one? Uh, yeah, let's say one. Was it one where we had two things to fix on it? I think there were two recalls and you just had one visit. Yeah, I think that, that, yeah, that might have been what happened, yeah. And what is your reaction to say when I say that your car is being recalled again? <laughs> is it? 
<laughs> yes. Uh, is it for any of the things I've already fixed? No. Fortunately, they seem to have fixed all the problems that they previously screwed up. This is a brand new and slightly distressing problem. Ah. Well, uh, since you, well, I was going to say that cars get recalled all the time, so I wasn't particularly upset about it, but now you just use the word distressing, so... <laughs> Well, uh, it's it's true that uh, do cars do get recalled, but actually now, uh, recently it was unveiled that there are the fewest amount of outstanding recalls ever in the history of vehicles, uh, I think, per the number of vehicles on the road. Uh, so it seems like Ford is just uh, continuing to sort of drop the ball or shit the bed here. Or over overachieve over something. Over something. I'm not sure if achieve is the right word. Um, so, uh, so what is it? Uh, would you like to know <laughs> <laughs> what it is that your car is being recalled for? Yeah. Um, the steering wheel. Um, how often would you say you use that? Uh, fairly regularly. Regularly? Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's not self-driving, so no. uh, the fact that you have to drive it does require a specific amount of input on the steering wheel. Yeah, I would, I would say so. And if the steering wheel t were to uh, randomly come off in your hands whilst you were driving the car, would that would that be appropriate? Like just off? Yes, just off. Yeah. No, it wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> no. <laughs> or appropriate or desirable. No, neither of those things. Okay, well. So um, has that happened, or is this one of those things where it could, like, theoretically happen? Uh, it has happened twice. And uh, Ford says that there is one alleged injury from it. And I'm not sure how they allege an injury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll just be keeping an eye out on the mail. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> try not to tug on your steering wheel too much yeah, because apparently it, it was constructed with one bolt that was too short that happens God. to just thread itself off <laughs> randomly. <laughs> While you're driving. Do we know where this bolt is that we can, like, look at? Uh, probably underneath the airbag, which I would probably yeah. set off if I tried to look at it myself. Yeah. What well, did this happen in um, accidents, for instance, or is it just while driving along? That was not clear from the stories I read. Yeah. So um, there was one without an injury, though. So I'm oh, led well. to believe that it was not accident-related, but just right. poor construction-related. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, it, it adds an element of fear and thrill <laughs> to your daily commute, which uh, you probably weren't looking for necessarily. Right. Well, I've already got that new transmission. So, I mean, eventually, before the warranty's up, I'm essentially going to have a brand new car. Well, they've replaced the battery pack, and they've replaced the transmission. Yeah. So now they'll replace the steering wheel. All yeah. that's left is the internal combustion range extender. Yeah. So the new car. And that thing barely runs. Yeah, you barely use that. So. Oh, well, that's a, probably about ready to go then. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Uh -huh. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> what did you say as I turned off the mic and walked away? <laughs> I, I said, goddamn Ford. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Fix a repair daily, right? Okay, in, in other uh, top stories this week, dumb, dumb criminals. They're everywhere. And how did they get everywhere? Mostly by driving, and apparently mostly by driving in cars that they've stolen. Um, as I noted a few weeks ago, the cost, as the cost of car parts rises, so do the number of vehicle thefts. 
in Florida this week, three teens, two seventeen and one sixteen, were apprehended after stealing a massive forty-six vehicles over the course of a couple weeks across three cities in uh, the nation's penis. Um, they were finally caught after failing to steal a Jag SUV from someone's garage while they were home. Uh, they quickly moved on to try to steal a Porsche Cayenne and a BMW 5 Series at two separate locations before fleeing police on foot, run it, running apparently into the Everglades, which uh, sort of seems like an invitation to be gator dinner. Um, a police chopper, though, found them and allowed officers to catch up on foot. Many of the uh, 50 cars that they are linked to have stolen uh, were high-end vehicles, so it seems like they're not without taste, just without sense and good judgment. A little further north in Hartford, Connecticut, 25-year-old Jonathan Rivera, who dutifully showed up in court uh, for his court date to address charges of first-degree larceny and tampering with a motor vehicle. Um, in layman's terms, he was arrested for stealing a car. Um, and he was in court, uh, in court to face uh, his charges. Unfortunately for uh, Johnny here, police were wandering around the parking lot scanning vehicle license plates and discovered that plates on one car came back as having been reported stolen. So police waited in the lot to see who came out to drive the vehicle away, and guess who it was? Yes, dear Jonathan was arrested again for the same crime. Maybe he was uh, counting that police uh, figured no one would be stupid enough to drive a stolen car to court. Well, uh, police, Jonathan, accepts your challenge. Uh, meanwhile, back here in the Midwest, Detroit police are on the lookout for two white cargo vans that were stolen from a dry cleaners. Um, sitting in the parking lot of the perfect dry cleaners, the vans were apparently too inviting for some crims to pass up. Uh, what they did choose to pass up, though, were the contents of the vans, namely dozens of police and firefighter uniforms from Detroit municipalities. Uh, authorities found the uniforms dumped elsewhere in the city. Uh, while I'm certain no surveillance footage of this exists, I would have just loved to see the expressions on the faces of the perps when they discovered that their super special score was actually one of the worst things they could be caught with, uh, short of plutonium or, or a, a live tiger. Uh, here are some headlines. If you're hoping, as I do, that every time Elon Musk and Tesla revise their output schedules, that this will surely be the time that they get it figured out and it'll be smooth sailing from here on out, you're not going to enjoy this next story. Uh, this week, we learned that Tesla had to completely shut down its Fremont, California manufacturing plant for a week last month to fix issues and bottlenecks related to the production of their Model 3 sedan. According to workers inside the factory, a staggering 40% of parts for vehicles were not suitable for use on cars, requiring extensive reworking or remanufacturing, which are apparently different things. Uh, reworking involves taking a new part and fixing it to, be, uh, to meet a certain standard, while remanufacturing uh, parts takes used parts and fixes them up to be new-looking again. Tesla insists that they don't put remanufactured parts on new cars, but if almost half of all parts require reworking and they're still putting out cars with irregular panel gaps that command comparisons to 90s Kias, you can call it re-wizarding, but it's, it's still not a good thing. 
the president of the United States has a habit of weighing in on things in, in a unique sort of way. And, and this week, when discussing the Trans-Pacific Partnership and how horrible it is, cited a practice that is either so top secret that no auto industry professional in the world has ever heard of it, or it's completely made up. Here are Trump's exact comments. Quote, It's the bowling ball test. They take a bowling ball from 20 feet up in the air and drop it on the hood of a car. If the hood dents, the car doesn't qualify. It's horrible. End quote. What? What, what car could possibly pass this test? After, after thoroughly baffling the automotive media for a while and offering no explanation for his comments, an astute reader of the Washington Post coverage of the story suggested that the comments, uh, perhaps he was referring to a test where Japanese safety officials test pedestrian safety by shooting dummy heads at car hoods to determine how damaged the head might be if it made contact with a car at a certain speed. Perhaps someone explained this with a bowling ball analogy, which could account for some of the misunderstanding, but the part about the car failing if it dents is still completely out of left field. In any case, it's a test that Japan applies to all cars, not just imports to keep them out of the country, so to use it as sort of an argument against the Trans-Pacific Partnership was always a bit of a stretch, but when it comes to politics these days, sense and logic doesn't really apply anymore anyway. Uh, when I chose the gorgeous reflex silver color of my GTI, uh, resale value didn't really factor into my decision. I just I liked it more than all the other co color options available. Um, but apparently people do choose white, silver, and black because those sort of neutral colors are more universally liked, and the theory goes that it makes your car more desirable secondhand. Well, turns out that that's bogus because a new study released uh, by used car search engine iccars.com, has revealed that the car color with the lowest depreciation rate was, in fact, yellow, depreciating an average of 27% in the first three years of ownership. Also above average were green and orange, going to show that safe colors really just are uh, not that safe. But it's not to say that all wild colors are helpful either. Some of the worst performing colors were beige, gold, and purple, uh, the purple car that immediately jumps to my mind is the Chrysler PT Cruiser, which immediately makes sense why it would be one of the worst cars in keeping its value. Speaking of yellow cars that don't appreciate much, Lamborghini was in the news this week for comments made by the company's chief technical, technical officer, Maurizio Reggiani. Uh, he indicated that while other companies like Ferrari are moving to a V8 or V6 turbo hybrid in their future cars, Lamborghini has no intention to stop making their V10s, like that which powers the current Huracan. Um, I love this quote from him. My question is, why do I need to do something different? If I trust the naturally aspirated engine, why do I need to downgrade my powertrain to a V8 or V6? I am Lamborghini. I am the top of the pinnacle of super sports car. I want to stay where I am. You do you, Lamborghini, and we will always love you for it. With the launch of its Maven service in several U.S. cities, General Motors joined the ranks of the ride-sharing businesses, uh, but using new cars put into circulation by General Motors themselves. Starting this summer, GM will begin a pilot program expanding vehicle availability to personal cars if owners are willing to put their vehicles up for rent. This equates to a sort of Airbnb on wheels, which actually already exists with a service like Turo, which I did not previously know about. 
Um, but this being a GM venture, it has some extra benefits, like Maven offering liability insurance for GM vehicle buyers who choose to take part in the plan. Uh, given how people generally treat their rental cars, I, I can't imagine there would be a whole lot of interest in pimping out your ride. But uh, if you need some extra money, maybe it'll catch on with the likes of people who see their cars more as appliances. In other ride-sharing news, Arlington, Texas has done away with its public transportation, which apparently was lacking anyway. Instead of buses and routes, the city has launched Arlington Via, which features Mercedes-Benz Sprinter vans that can be hailed via an app or phone number and will come around and pick you up and take you to your destination. If this sounds a lot like Uber or Lyft, you're totally right, except that it's publicly subsidized, so trips are only $3, or you can buy a week pass for $10, which is crazy cheap. For about $40 a month, you can basically have your own driver that you occasionally have to share with other passengers. Mark my words, smart people will use and abuse the hell out of this system, and it will be fantastic until the city realizes what a massive loss it is and discontinues it after its one-year contract is up. Because I would absolutely be doing that if such a service were available here. It's less than the monthly payment on my car, and you don't even have to drive in traffic. Finally, in rental car news, Toyota has signed a multi-year deal with Avis Budget Group that will supply 10,000 connected cars to Avis to, quote, help streamline the customer rental experience, end quote. It'll basically help provide real-time location, odometer, fuel level, and other information without the need for attendants to go out and check the cars manually, which would honestly be pretty handy if you're running late for a flight and just need your receipt so the accounting department doesn't crucify you when you get back to work. It's not very exciting, and it seems like this is the type of thing that should have been accomplished years ago, but I guess we should just be happy that any progress is, <laughs> is being made at all. Um, last you heard of Buick on this show, they were prohibiting the use of the word wagon when mentioning their new Regal Tour X, insisting that it was a crossover. Well, next year they will begin forcing all of the drivers of their new vehicles to insist that their car is indeed a Buick when asked by incredulous friends, because that happens all the time because their commercials are so reflective of real life. That's because Buick is removing the Buick lettering from the back of its vehicles in the same way that BMW and Mercedes-Benz don't actually say BMW and Mercedes-Benz on the back because people just know that the propeller circle and the TriStar signify. Buick has the audacity to think that buyers most definitely know that the TriShield badge means that the vehicle is a Buick. And while sure, loyal listeners of this show may know that, I think it's a bit presumptuous to suggest that everyone does. But, you know, good luck to Buick, who sold 4.5% fewer cars in America in 2017 than they did in 2016, which is also half the number of vehicles that they sold in 2002. You're probably doing just fine. In South Boston this week, for the first time in... Uh, well, a week, the city got 16 inches of snow, which trapped a Boston police van. Normally, this type of story wouldn't make the news, but the van was freed by none other than Elsa from Disney's Frozen. A man dressed as the Ice Princess approached the beached van and asked if the drivers wanted to build a snow ramp. Um, she dutifully guided them as they rocked the van out of the spot and pushed the vehicle until it was clear of the snow and then let it go. Uh, turns out the cold never bothered her anyway, and that's enough frozen jokes for one car podcast. Let's look at some new cars. Brand new, brand new, brand new. You don't like it unless brand new. you might see me in my brand new. Well, with my brand new. Head, my... 
Ford made a big splash this week announcing plans to refresh 75% of its lineup by 2020, which is good because, honestly, it needs the help. Um, unfortunately, the Fusion wasn't one of the cars that it's going to be refreshing. Uh, what it, where, where is it making the biggest investment? Predictably, in vehicles that sell like hotcakes, namely SUVs, where the brand's existing models are pretty long in the tooth. Um, but we're not just talking about the Escape Edge and Explorer, all of which will get new versions, which include ST trim models that up the performance factor a bit. We already know that a new Bronco is coming, although we haven't seen it yet. Uh, Ford announced that they would have a smaller off-road-focused SUV that would come out to slot in below the revival of the bucking horse truck. Uh, we don't have any details on it, but speculation is that it will give the Wrangler a run for its money in performance, if not maybe in the customizability sector. Uh, they also teased a photo of the new Shelby Mustang GT500, which can obviously only be a good thing. Um, as we see automakers continue to turn out uh, compact crossovers, it's honestly really great to see Ford say, yeah, but how about a Wrangler alternative and uh, an even faster Mustang? Uh, the market may not be demanding the most exotic or, or exciting vehicles, but at least automakers still have some people working there who want to inject the fun into cars to satisfy those of us in the so-called niche markets. Uh, if you like Audis, then uh, screw the year of the truck. This is the year of the four rings for you. The company shared this week that they expect sales and deliveries of new cars to be pretty poor this year because they're basically going to spend the entire next eight and a half months dropping new cars on us constantly. They said that there will be over 20 redesigned and new models launched this year, including the launch of several all-electric models like the e-tron crossover and e-tron GT a sedan. Uh, there will also be redesigned versions of most of the rest of Audi's lineup, apparently, and the rate of the unveilings means that we'll see a new car from them just about every three weeks, which is crazy ridiculous, but... Then again, when you think about Audi's styling and realize that they just stick an existing car into a copier and change the magnification level and hit print, maybe it's not that outrageous to have so many new cars coming out at once. Especially when Audi apparently achieved a billion euro cost reduction last year by reducing research and development. Be prepared for an entirely new generation of... Oh, that's an nice A6. Or is that an A4? That's an S8. Meanwhile, at parent company Volkswagens, the Germans apparently had to come up with a new name for the electric vehicle brand that they are preparing to launch in China with partner company JAC because they are not allowed to use the Chinese name for Seat, um, which is, again is spelled like seat but pronounced Seat. Uh, instead, they have chosen SOUL in all caps, which of course is Spanish for sun, ca uh, conjuring images of a bright, shiny, all-electric future. Or if you're the type of person who uses acronyms, the capital letters S-O-L means shit out of luck, which is just as well because the first car of the joint venture is a rebadged JAC vehicle that boasts just 114 horsepower and a top speed of 80 miles per hour. So, sorry China, if you are hoping for a better electric vehicle to come from the partnership, I guess you are, uh, well, you know. It's been at least a few weeks since our last black edition of any car, so we were about due for one. This time it's a Lexus, um, who are creating only 650 versions of their RCF Sport Black line. Uh, the trick is it's not actually a trim available for the RCF, it's just the RC300 and 350. 
So not the V8, just the V6 and I4 models, which to me sort of causes it to lose a bit of the sinister element. Uh, what's the black line version get you? More black. Just like every black version of any car. Can this, can this trend stop now? Um, also from Lexus, they are launching the Sport Yacht concept, which uh, is not a tongue-in-cheek concept car that plays on large sedans being referred to as land yachts by clever dads. It is actually a yacht. Um, it started as a fun concept from Toyota Marine Division, a 42-foot ship that features two Lexus V8 engines, 5-liter V8 engines, cranking out an incredible 885 horsepower and probably an almighty sound. Uh, the concept was never intended for production, apparently, but after being handed the Boat of the Year Award at the Japan International Boat Show, Toyota's had a sit-down and think and decided that, yes, it would like to make more money off of rich people, and will actually build the boat and offer it for sale worldwide. Not just that, but they're planning on a 65-foot version that can entertain up to 15 guests, because rich people love offering people a ride in their Lexus, only to pull up in their Maserati and say, Ha! Silly, my Lexus is docked! <sighs> Hyundai is uh, also going nautical with their Kite concept, uh, which debuted at the Geneva show last week, but didn't quite make it into my wrap-up. It's uh, sort of a lightweight dune buggy thing that was designed by 15 students as part of their Master's in Transportation Design program at the Instituto Europeo di Design. Uh, the wild thing uh, about this is that it can be transformed into a single-seat jet ski, and who doesn't want that? Granted, the utility of this thing is somewhat questionable. A uh, dune buggy isn't exactly practical for a daily commute, and the number of times that I have been flying over dunes only to arrive at a sudden ocean or lake and wished I could suddenly have a jet ski are, are, are relatively few. Um, but you have to celebrate the thinking outside the box, and this vehicle is most definitely that. Uh, Honda, it seems, are getting tired of... Uh, being asked when they're going to bring back the S2000 or some other affordable sports car now that their NSX has pushed decidedly up market. Instead of replying simply never, they've resorted uh, to the tried-and-true internet tradition of trolling their fans. Uh, instead of coming out with a fun sports car with 189 horsepower that will hit 134 miles an hour, Honda this week unveiled the Mean Mower Mark II, a riding lawnmower with the engine from one of their 1,000cc Fireblade motorbikes, because why make a fun car when you can make a fun lawnmower instead? If this sounds familiar, this isn't the first time Honda has done this, having put the V-Twin from a previous Fireblade into an older riding lawnmower. In achieving some impressive numbers, this second generation takes it up a notch, just as it takes up the trolling. Honda knows how to have fun. They just are not going to go out of their way to help us have any. But hey, keep having your engineers work on pointless shit, Honda. And maybe give your designers a day off so we can have a Civic that doesn't look like an origami spaceship. Um, in terms of obituaries, we heard some rumors this week that Ford is planning on canceling the Lincoln Continental after just one new generation of the car that they allegedly spent $1 billion to resurrect which seems like a ridiculous waste of money. That said, last year they barely sold 12,000 examples, which pales in comparison to the 52,000 Mercedes-Benz E-classes or the nearly 41,000 BMW 5 Series cars of similar size and fanciness that were sold last year. 
When it debuted, um, the Continental was mocked for being a knockoff Bentley in its styling, but I guess not that many people are interested in driving Bentley knockoffs. Uh, this hasn't been confirmed yet, but with sales that low and with sales of sedans in general uh, tanking like the Miami Marlins, it's a safe bet that Ford might want to just cut its losses and move on. Uh, this week, for your call to action uh, as we wrap up the show, I want you to just log into Google Maps and set a destination, even, even if it's somewhere you know how to get to. Uh, then instead of hitting the navigate button, you see that little gray box next to the navigate button that has a question mark on it? Go ahead and click that and... Uh, Here we go! Yep, you get to be Mario Kart in real life. Thanks to Mario Day, which is March 10th. Get out there and have some fun. Uh, life can uh, be really depressing, and sometimes it's just the silly little things that can help lift you out of a funk. So thank you for listening this week, and thank you to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song, because I am celebrating the fact that Lamborghini remains committed to building delicious V10 engines. Here's the raspy bellow from the current Huracan as driven dangerously around way too many children. Uh, here, friends, is your moment of zen. Why? 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 Why?